Welcome to the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. This is, this is the podcast where four psychotherapists, three of us from Canada, one of us from the United States, serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I'm Dr. Ryan House, a psychologist from Pasadena, California. I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis from the Vancouver, Canada area. I am Joanna Boyd, a clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. I'm Chris, a therapist from the Vancouver area as well. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> You're also Joanna's brother. That's true. Yes. <laughs> also Joanna's brother. Yeah. Yes. Just in case, this is the first time anyone's listened to our podcast. And, and we expect a lot of new listeners today because this is a topic that I believe is going to go viral. Uh, even though I don't know what the topic is yet because Joanna mm, came up with it man. and hasn't shared it with us yet. But be prepared to share this one far and wide, listeners, because this is going to be a hot topic here today. Yeah. Uh, no pressure, yeah. Joe. No let's, pressure. Let's uh, lower our expectations there, team. <laughs> and let's have a big shout out to our French listeners. We have uh, suddenly a, a, a big following from France, and that really that tickles me. I think that's wonderful. Yes. The French is our second national language, so we actually learn French, even though here on the west coast of Canada. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I, think, I think, Ryan, you've been to uh, Quebec before, haven't you? I have. I have been to Quebec. I went to uh, Montreal, and it was a wonderful town. I didn't know any French when I got there, and I knew also very little when I left, but uh most of the people were pretty gracious about it. I know that that for some folks, you know, they're pretty, they hold pretty tight to their French language over there, don't they? Yes. They do, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure if uh, I could carry on a conversation over there in, in Quebec or France. No. Yeah. You know, in, in, uh, in school, like, they don't really teach you the, the terms or the sentences that could probably help you navigate or be a oh. tourist in these cities. Instead, you learn a phrase like, I have a red pencil case. <laughs> <laughs> I can play tennis and I have a brother named Chris. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Not where the washrooms are. Right. Yeah. Yes. So we we have to take French until uh, through grade eight. And then in grade nine, you can pick if you're going to keep going or choose a different one. Mm. So, so I chose Mandarin and oh, all I tried to make sure to learn one phrase that I thought would be useful. So I tried to learn how to say, I don't know. <laughs> I felt like that would anything somebody asked or said to me, I could say, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So how do you say it? Oh, wow. From whatever, I could totally be butchering that, but. Je ne sais pas. Hey, there you go. Got that in French. No? Wow. I don't know. Je ne sais pas. Oh, yeah. Come on, team. Come on. <laughs> Don't ask me. Sorry, sorry to all our uh, listeners in France. Well, we had some listeners in France. I'm sure. We did. Yeah. They're, awesome. They're logging us off. off right now. But I'm sorry. I'm American. We only speak English and sarcasm down here. <laughs> Those are our two languages, and there are many different dialects of sarcasm. So some might not understand others. But 
Mm. We definitely have our fair share of that. Yes. <laughs> well, that's very cool. I mean, do the kids do the kids like learning French up until grade seven, or is that kind of a drag? Or uh, I think some people oh enjoy it. Many many students continue to take a second language. Yeah, um, and many there are schools up here which are French immersion or have mm. a French immersion program, so you can, as a parent, opt to put your your child in a school where all of the instruction is in French. Cool. No matter what the subject is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's all French. But it's interesting because some families who do that, the parents actually don't speak French themselves. Mm -hmm. I've come across that. They'll send their kids and that they're actually not speaking French at home or the parent really can't. I guess they just want their child to really have a good second language. But uh, I know yeah. of I know of two schools here that are immersion schools one's spanish it's a kind of a popular one and uh and a mandarin school as well and yeah i think that's a cool cool idea especially getting them getting them young while those brains are nice and spongy ready to take in all that stuff although i don't know if it works so well for you guys so <laughs> i'm sure yeah. you can hold your own in a in a french restaurant no, I'm kind of I jealous think those of my... who, yeah, no, I think those who did French immersion can do that easily. Yeah. Um, and maybe yeah. even to a point, but I, I could not hold a conversation. I think it's just, you don't practice it. You're yeah. kind of use it or lose it. I don't know. Yeah. I'm jealous of my French immersion friends who did it through elementary school because they can pick up on, of course, the other Latin languages too. So they can pick up on Spanish and Italian or good old traditional Latin, you know, because that's spoken all the time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I guess, yeah, some, some Latin. People talk about that being great for learning, you know, just etymology of other words and things like that. But that's, uh, that's pretty hardcore. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Well, language lessons aside, uh, we were all kind of talking about how this, this first year or first week back in uh, back to work for us, for some of us who were on vacation before, or just kind of first week of the new year here has been a little tiring. We've all felt a little fatigued this week, haven't we? Exhausted. Yep. Yep. Yes. Let yeah, alone... I think the routine kind of switches up even over just a week off. It just, yeah, sleep yeah. is off and yeah. definitely, definitely feeling it. Yes. Can't wait to be rejuvenated by Joanna's topic tonight. I think it's just gonna. We're gonna have so many smart things. Woo. The energy flowing. Brace yourselves. <laughs> oh, we, we won't be doing any of this during our conversation. Wink, wink. The uh -oh. topic. You'll see what I mean. Uh oh. What languages? does this mean? Second languages. Sarcasm? Are we talking about sarcasm? <laughs> Look out! I wish. I okay. Um, well. Are you ready? Are you ready for the ambush? We should do it. The first ambush of 2021. The yeah, first viral thinking, episode. Oh, please. <laughs> I was thinking of trying to find a topic that was, <laughs> oh, new year. What could it, but I didn't, there's nothing. This is just a random topic. There's no new year, new you, anything like that. It's just, uh, here you go, Ryan. It's coming your way. Really coming talking down. it up there. 
<laughs> I know. Well, it's just the randomness. I just want you to know it's random. That's all. But it's okay. something that I've spoken about with clients. Um, it's come up in conversations. And I think it's important. I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of, this is common for a lot of people. Um, and I think it's important to talk about similarities and differences between a few of these things. And yeah, you'll, Ryan will introduce I'm it. So for, for the first time listeners, we do an ambush. I'm going to ambush Ryan and take his ambush spiel. Um, and so one of us knows what the topic is. The other three don't. The person that knows sends it to Ryan via text message and he reads it out and then we discuss. That's it. So we're all shocked mm. and surprised, just like, just like we might encounter in a therapy session, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what was I doing again? What? Checking the text message. Oh, checking. Okay. Sorry. I spaced out. Oh. <laughs> okay. I see. I see. So the topic of the night is daydreaming, zoning out and dissociation. What are the differences and when is there a cause for concern? This is a great topic. It is a great topic. I was actually talking about dissociation today with a client. I feel like teenagers are bringing this up a lot. The concept yeah. of dissociation. Yes. Yeah, you too? Oh yeah. That and like depersonalization and yep. they're very, yeah, they're coming in with it and they're using that language right out of the gates. Yeah. It seems to be a hot topic. I think you and I have talked about that before. And mm -hmm. I have teens coming in being like, they've done their research or the, I have looked this up and this is what it seems is going on for me. Um, but yeah, I think there's, I just, I think it'd be good to kind of chat about these things a little bit. Um, and when people can maybe identify when things might be going on or to an extreme or when they need to kind of watch out or think that more is going on or yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, this is great. I like this. I feel engaged and focused even more now already because of this topic. Should we All right. have this discussion in French? Let's let's not. No, see what they okay. We can have it in Mandarin. We have it in Latin or sarcasm, something like that. Daydreaming, zoning out, dissociation. Uh, let's define our terms a little bit here. Let's yeah. figure out what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So daydreaming seems like one of the most benign ones here, right? Mm -hmm. So what would we consider uh, a daydream, you think? Oh, kind of I think that one's going to be when you're a little bit like just lost in thought, thinking about something else, but you have the awareness that you're thinking about something. So if somebody were to ask you, hey, what are you thinking about right now? You would kind of be able to tell them. Mm -hmm. Oh, so yeah, some awareness of it. Mm -hmm. I, I would also like to add, and you correct me if I'm wrong, maybe we have different definitions of these things as well, which will be good to, to sort out. But um, when I think of daydreaming, I think of you having kind of active control of what it is you're thinking about. You're, mm -hmm. you're the director, you're uh, the author of this, uh, this little scene that you're playing out here. Mm. Uh, and you're kind of aware that you are, you know? I'm imagining myself sitting on a beach in Hawaii. I'm imagining myself winning the Nobel Prize or whatever sort of things you're day daydreaming about. You kind of are making, you have yeah. a choice of volition about this, of being able to make it. So it's different from like uh, rumination or fixation, I guess, okay. right? Yeah. Well, it's maybe a little more involuntary, perhaps. 
Could you daydream about what you're going to eat later? Would that be a daydream or would that just be a... Sure. I think daydream and fantasy would kind of fall into the same category and like visualization. Role play. Maybe role playing. Yeah. A little bit. Like if you're going to be seeing your friend after work and you're role playing a conversation that you're going to have or a joke you're going to tell them or like what that's going to be. You're bored at work. You're role playing what it's going to be like to go to the restaurant when COVID's done, you know? Yeah. Or a lot of people, you know, some of it can sort of feel like rumination or, or you can't be looking backwards. Like, you know, you had this, this uh, maybe not so great interaction with somebody and you play it over again where you said all the right stuff or you punched them in the face mm. or something like that, where you're imagining something happening that, uh, that didn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so does it have a more of a positive connotation then, I guess, daydreaming? I think typically people associate it in a positive way. Yeah, I think so. Whereas almost like that looking back or kind of, um, yeah, that would that that'd be more ruminating. That tends to be maybe more of a negative connotation. Yeah, maybe ruminating. Not. Maybe does, not. I, I think that we don't tend to ruminate over good things. I don't think that's that's when we kind of play overplay something over and over again, and it's usually a mistake that we made or a. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, somewhere where we screwed something up or said the wrong thing, we kind of beat ourselves over the head with it over and over and over again. Um, yes, yeah. it's, it's chewing it up. I mean, rumination means to to chew. <laughs> it's to it's yeah. when, when cows spit up their food and chew their cud. That's that's rumination, and so it's like we're kind of grinding over this this <laughs> stuff that doesn't really. Um, get us anywhere. It's just uh, kind of spinning your wheels and re- replaying some negative tapes from the past. Yeah, so different from like reflecting on a positive memory in the past. Yeah, which could be more like the daydream. Uh, yeah, no, I agree, yeah. What about zoning out? Zoning out, sometimes people call it spacing out or just kind of getting lost. Yeah, I threw that in there because I think it's just used so much or we hear it so much. Oh, I was only out in class or um, Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like it's a well-heard term. So I think it's important to throw between the two daydreaming and dissociation. Um, I think of it more of, yeah, it's not necessarily uh, purpose, like, or on purpose, like you're not necessarily as much in control. There might be more fatigue that plays a role and you kind of just you might have a thought that you get lost in and all of a sudden you just you're out of the present moment i guess but i guess in daydreaming you are as well i don't know i guess less of yeah. less control maybe that's what i would i guess say mm-hmm. and maybe a bit know. more sticky i think when you zone out it's a bit like you get caught in it a bit more i think or for mm-hmm. me I, I would get caught in it a bit more like time passes more yeah or, or less present in the moment than you would be for daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Like kind of, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so in a previous podcast, uh, I mentioned how Joanna and I uh, came up with BIP, being present. We also have this other one, WOM. So what's on mind or what's on your mind? Yeah. So if you seem like you're zoned out or focused on something else, not present in the moment, the other one can say WOM. And you have to say, 
unfiltered what was on your mind in that moment. So again, encouraging you to be in the here and now, right? Um, so I'm sorry, only Chris, especially around people. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. I was just going to ask, um, what language is that? BIP and WOM. I don't <laughs> Is that a French thing? I don't understand. There, it's actually, it's Canadian. No, we... <laughs> yeah, no, that was, it's just those two. We just came up with, uh, as we were bugging each other, when we were not present or on our phones or um, yeah. Chris has, has caught me just staring off into the distance. and Which I think is zoning like, out. Yeah. Just, Isn't it? Yeah. So, so sometimes Joanna would go, well, I'm like, to be honest, I don't even know what. I think I was just kind of zoned out. I was spaced out. There wasn't anything too purposeful. There wasn't anything too intriguing. I was just kind of spaced out. But that's kind of how I've used zoning. Zoning out happens when we like our brain just wants a break. It's almost like it just goes offline, you know, and you kind of like stare off at something, aim like just pointlessly, like it just goes offline for a little bit. If you want an example of anyone of, of people zoning out, usually in mass, then look to any online teaching going on right now. Sadly, you know the students. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, I'm sure there's there's some moments when people are more engaged or, or or less engaged, but but wow, it's easy to zone out when there's just kind of a droning or or you know busy work going on, and it's. If it's not yeah. all that engaging, I think of zoning out and spacing out as being is falling more into the category of like attention issues, like a like kind of an attention and focus uh, mm-hmm. issue. Um, where yeah, I think there's fatigue that goes along with it. It take, we don't always recognize this, but it takes energy to attend to something. It takes energy to focus on something, and if that thing that 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 stimulus is actually really engaging and intriguing, then we get some feedback from that. We get kind of fed by watching it or looking at it and it doesn't feel so much like so much fatigue. But if it's hard to, to do that work, if it just doesn't seem all that intriguing or interesting and it's not, there's nothing really happening, it's so easy to zone out because it's, we just get tired. Mm-hmm. True. Maybe you got, maybe you guys are zoning out as I say that. As I lecture, maybe you're zoning out right now. Joanna's not looking at the computer at all. So no, maybe. I'm thinking, I'm looking at the, I'm thinking about what you said, Ryan, because I find when I get distracted, I, I'm trying to say, it's not like when I go on my phone or like if I'm listening to a teacher or kids go on their phone, that's not the same. You're just choosing to put your attention elsewhere. But yeah, it's just kind of that space out. I find I sometimes zone out when I'm reading a book and I'm like, what did I just read? Like, and you have to read that page over and over again because um, I don't necessarily know what I was thinking about, but I just realized that I've completely checked out. Um, so I kind of realized it a bit after. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I wasn't zoning out there. I was thinking. You were thinking, okay. <laughs> Purposefully. Yes. Yeah, I was pondering, pondering your words. Yeah. yeah. Is there. I guess you guys do your WOM thing, but is, I mean, is there a problem with zoning out or what, what is the downside to that? Like what's a plus and what's a negative to, to zoning out? It's based on the context or the situation, right? If you're sitting in that lecture that you just mentioned, you should probably try to find a way to pay attention uh, or having a conversation. You ever had a conversation with someone they zone out? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, it. you lost time. them. You can see it in their eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, you okay. Um, yeah, so I think it's uh, probably context related. 
Uh, but sometimes it might be nice just to zone out. We've mentioned fatigue is, yeah. is a component of it. So sometimes you just want to get that downtime, just zone out, space out a bit. And so, so I, I, I guess that could be healthy or ha- um, positive. So maybe it's a frequency it happens. Uh, like, you know, like you said, it, I think it is good to have a zone out or maybe you just need a break mentally. But so if there's an odd class or moments in class that you're like, well, I just zoned out, but okay, I got to get a handle on this but if, if it is happening a lot more in every class and yeah. um, you're having a hard time focusing in conversations with people um, that's kind of a area where you'd be like ah red flag here something's kind of going on here I need to look at yeah so, so keep the zoning out for professor house's class I guess is what you have to do hey <laughs> hey not my class no sure well, that's sure. impossible right that's impossible I... I know I had people zoning out. In fact, some of the things I was talking about was so boring at times. I would zone out even while I was saying it. So yeah. <laughs> you dissociate. I might have dissociated. That's true. Or start sharing a daydream, you know, in the middle of my lecture. Um, yeah, that's okay. Zoning out is, uh, it's common. Um, uh, it can be harmless. It can be benign, you know, not a big deal. People do it all the time. I remember having a friend that we were talking about the friends and, and, you know, when you do that in a relationship, I remember a friend of mine many years ago who I knew I had about 10 seconds to, (laughs) to talk before (laughs) he'd start to drift. Right. So I remember, I, you know, remember having to economize my words and make it as interesting and as kind of pithy as possible because I knew after about 10 seconds, he'd be gone. Mm. So I'm like, boom, have to jab him with the whatever yeah. I wanted to say. You have to use the volume of your voice. Yeah, the intonation, mm-hmm. uh, hand gestures. I think yeah. we've all done, of course, lots of presentations and in front of a group of people, sometimes you have to be kind of animated. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get to the most uh, kind of psychologically relevant or psychotherapeutically relevant one of these, which would be dissociation. Fancy term that apparently all the all the teens are talking about these days. What do we mean by dissociation? Who wants to take it? Someone else, please. <laughs> I think Brooke's got this one. Do I? Oh, Let you guys bomb? have it, no? Okay. Well, for, for me, dissociation, uh, how I would describe it is it's often, or it's often described by persons who experience it is more of like a out of body experience. So they're not present in the moment, but they're not like present in their body in the moment, um, which is different from the other ones that we were saying our mind floats away, but this is also, they have a sense. uh, Sometimes it's the sense of watching yourself uh, from a distance, but it's like you're removed from yourself, even though you know yourself is doing something. Uh, so it's a, yeah, kind of a, an interesting yeah. state to yeah, try and kind describe. Of, yeah, what kind of pops into my mind, Brooke, is like yeah. disconnection from like your, your body, your thoughts, uh, the feelings, mm-hmm. all those things, right? It tends to be a stress response, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, it could be a, a way that our bodies are coping with some kind of stressor or trauma. Um, trauma not being, doesn't need to be a big T trauma. It could be something just um, very stressful moment, but it could be our body's way of protecting ourselves and kind of just zoning out um, when things become too overwhelming or something of the like. 
Hey, Joanna, that's I think that's an interesting concept, especially given this topic. Could you talk about big T and little t traumas just for a sec? Oh boy, um, I think what I and uh, I feel like I think about this more with EMDR, uh, Chris and Brooke, but um, I think big traumas could be. I think big traumas of like um, a major kind of sometimes could be a solo thing, but like abuse or an accident or um, some intense experience, whereas little traumas could be, um, I don't know, a, a fight with a friend. It could be witnessing um, witnessing an accident versus being in it. It could be um, some lesser stressor yeah. that is not intense. I don't know. That's, that's a weird way of saying it. I don't know. I just think they're when no. people hear trauma, they're like, oh God, it must be really bad. But I think we all experience experiences that could be traumatic in some way or that impact us. Yeah. Yeah. Anything just, that kind of shakes the core of our foundation um, makes us question that like it is a trauma, right? So yeah, it's your perception of the event that's happening. And that could be something if it was a, a, a maybe in elementary school something happened in the classroom and you felt really embarrassed and that's going to be a trauma for you but that might be declared like a small t trauma versus if there was an earthquake when you were in school as an mm -hmm. elementary or the there was um violence so big t trauma i think too is more of like a uh, almost like a more agreeable like everyone would agree or perceive that as traumatic in some way, I don't, I don't even know if that would make sense. But if you were to say there was this major car accident and all of these things, people are like that is traumatic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of big Overt T, you know, yeah, trauma. Capital T traumas yeah. being things that are life-altering events, and mm. uh, you know where the, the the course of your life is kind of forever changed as a result of that. Whereas the smaller T ones are, you know painful disruptions to life, but uh, you're still kind of the same person. From Yeah, both are earthquakes, yeah. one's just stronger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's also subjectivity based on each of our experience of that, of that moment, right? So, so let's draw the line here between dissociation and traumas. Uh, you know, the big T traumas, traumas maybe are the, the good place to start. So how does some, how does dissociation, what's, what's the theory here on how dissociation and trauma are related? Um, when a major um, trauma happens in our lives, sometimes our nervous system will assess it and say that, you know what, fight or flight's not gonna help us out here. And that's where we have this built-in mechanism where our mind is, will go elsewhere to help us get through that situation or moment. So it's trying to protect us from potentially what's going on in that situation. So I see it as a, a coping mechanism, an extreme coping mechanism that you're, you're taking off, you're leaving. Mm -hmm. So would people sometimes say they feel numb? Would that be likened to, to dissociation? I think numbness is a part of it, but I think when people are usually describing dissociation, they're talking about like going somewhere. Like watching um, themselves or, or yeah, watching themselves or going to a different place. I know that yeah. for some for some soldiers uh who you know maybe in in combat areas and, and you know are at risk of being captured and taken prisoner, that sort of thing, they actually teach dissociation skills. Because if you're gonna be tortured and uh 
you know, they, they actually try to teach them to go somewhere else in their mind or go somewhere else in their body uh, mm -hmm. so that they're not actually physically present for the torture that's taking place. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that for, for adults and, and think about a kid experiencing sexual abuse or physical abuse or something, you know, some life altering event or witnessing it. Have control over. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and the, the psyche kind of says, this is too much. This is too much stimuli, too much pain or too much for me to take in. I got to go somewhere else. And so the psyche takes off yeah. and, uh, and then begins this dissociation. And the idea here with, uh, particularly with people who've experienced a lot of trauma is that they've, they've done that, they've kind of worked that muscle so many times that dissociation becomes sort of a natural impulse. That's my go-to when I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling uh, under attack one, one way or another. And they'll just find themselves dissociating even when it's not a big T trauma, it's, a, it's some you know, other stressor in their life, which can be problematic because again, you know, if you're trying to connect with somebody in a relationship and you're dissociated, that's, you're not really present for them, right? Mm -hmm. With them, you're not, mm -hmm. uh, you're not really being in, in the moment. You're not bipping with each other. You're not. Yeah, for sure. So, so do you think um, that the fact, and I've, I've heard that term so many times too from youth recently, do you think um, based on your experiences, they are disassociating or do you think it's something else um, that's going on there? Well, who are you asking? In general? Or? Uh, myself. I'm just saying uh, that term is starting to be used a lot more yeah. frequently, right? So uh, I know in my experience, yes, sometimes it is full-blown disassociation wow. due to a, a major trauma. But I'm also finding that term is being used just when, oh, I went somewhere else or, oh, that was intensive and I felt overwhelmed. And so it's starting to be used quite frequently. Mm -hmm. I explore it um, with my teens to figure out kind of what, what their experience is and we try and make sense of it. I never fully say to them, yes, it is, or no, it isn't. No, I don't, don't go that no. far. I don't know. Cause I don't want to get into like a, their experience is real for them. So I'm not going to invalidate that. Um, but I do question it for them and mm -hmm. kind of ask about their experience and uh, I might give them another take on it, but Ultimately, I need them to make sense of their experience. One of the other therapists we work with as well, her check-in for dissociation, she does a lot of EMDR work for those listeners who don't know what that is. It stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is um, a popular type of therapy is becoming a bit more common for processing trauma. And with trauma comes dissociation. So her quick check-in is on a scale of zero to 10, how present are you right now? Mm. And uh, I forget which number was which for her, but one is completely here and the other end obviously is not here at all. And, uh, and so you can kind of get a sense of where the client is at in that. Mm. So not to invalidate, like somebody might feel like they're not totally here right now maybe they're on a two or three maybe that's kind of where they're feeling zoning out or ruminating or distracted but if we're getting up there then you know you want to pay attention to that and then provide some grounding and stabilization in the room because those skills are still going to be helpful true 
Mm-hmm. True. Oh, yeah, I, guess- I had a client today bring it up. And uh, it was interesting. She's highly anxious, this client. And so she was like, she said that she was just, she felt like she was like kind of dissociating and was describing it and stuff. But when I asked her why or what that experience was like, she was like, what, or what she was thinking about or what was happening in her mind. She said, nothing was happening in my mind. And so I actually questioned her on it and it made her think, and we still don't have an answer, but I asked, well, maybe it's the opposite and you're actually fully present in what you're doing. Because typically with her being anxious, she ruminates all the time and there's always a story or something going on. And there's argue, like all the thoughts and noise in her head. And, and in these moments, there's no noise. Uh-huh. So it's not like she's zoning out or anything. She's like there. Her body is doing the things. She's interacting. She's having conversations, but there's no noise. Mm. And for her, that experience is weird. Wow. So maybe it's it's actually a healthy response, but it's so unfamiliar for her because she's used to ruminating so much, right? Yeah. So like in that example, I'm not going to pull out like a, a full assessment for her, but we're going to talk about it and figure out kind of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to throw in another wrinkle to this too, because, you know, we spent a lot of time talking with people about meditation, um, which is another form of uh kind of mind, you know, accessing your mind and kind of taking control of your thoughts. Um, Oftentimes it's about being very aware of your body, especially with mindfulness meditation. It's like, what's, let me be aware of my breath. Let me be aware of, of, you know, my body and what what am I feeling throughout my body. But other parts of other types of meditation are about feeling nothingness and kind of trying to detach from, from your thoughts. Right. And let me just go to the the blank space. Right. Mm Is that a form of, of dissociation or, or is it apples and oranges? What do you think we're talking about with, with that kind of meditation? My first thing would be no, because I feel like dissociation is not voluntary. That mm. like, I don't know, I think it's a body yeah. response. It's a, sure. it's a, it's a, it's a stress response for whatever reason, um, whether it's a perceived stress or an actual like, experiencing something in the moment. Uh, or thinking about something that might make you feel anxious or whatnot. But I feel like with meditation or, or purposely trying to get to a space where your mind is clear or you're having a, trying to be more aware of the moment in your body. Yeah. I don't know. I would say initially, no, I just feel like you're doing it more purposefully and in control. It might have some of the same out of body experiences, but it's, it's not in a response to a stress. Sure. That would be my first thought, but I don't know what everyone else thinks. Yeah, I would concur with that. Yeah. yeah, I concur with that too. Just the the control part of it too, right? Or the underlying mechanism there. But I think there's interestingly enough, there's some some similarities, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think actually that's I think that's why things like meditation and mindfulness can actually be very helpful for folks with dissociative problems because they can start to take control of it. Cause like you said, Joe, it's uh, dissociation is, is involuntary, but I've known, I've worked with folks who've been able to kind of catch themselves. Like maybe they, they're able to, to find out in the middle of the dissociation that that's what they're doing and they can pull mm-hmm. themselves back or, 
or even find when they when they're feeling like dissociating that they can kind of stop themselves right and a lot of that has to do with the sort of you know brain discipline you know brain control awareness is really what it is that says okay i'm i can be in charge here i'm not i'm not going to let my you know in this case i'm not going to let the trauma take over right that makes sense yeah, yeah versus saying it, it's not voluntary it's more of it's a response for our bodies, but you're able to build that awareness of what's going on or catch it or try to get yourself out of it, I suppose, mm -hmm. or we help people try to do that. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Our brains. Mm -hmm. Amazing. <laughs> um, disassociation is a general term, isn't it? So underneath that, when there'd be like depersonalization, derealization. I think so. That, right? that sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. The depersonalization is separation from the body or observing the body. The derealization is life, just things seem fake, right? It just doesn't seem real. I've had people talk yeah. about curtains changing colors or their hands becoming big like balloons. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, which takes, I feel like it's different. Yeah, or I guess it's under that umbrella, I guess, of dissociation. Yeah. Or, or substance use. Yep. Or substance use. Sure. A lot of these things are, a lot of psychological issues can be kind of mimicked by, or, or can be mirrored by substance use. Right. So a lot of things that are, that we might experience psychologically, we could create through just the right cocktail of drugs if we wanted to. Right. But uh, I, one of my favorites one of the most interesting ones, I when I was studying dissociative disorders many years ago, I've never seen this in person, but it's something called dissociative fugue, um, oh. which is which was something that they found a lot during wartime, where someone would, and there's a little controversy here, but I'll throw that in the way. The idea of so, fugue means flight, so um, someone would be in a very stressful situation. And then they would kind of have amnesia about that and kind of wake up in a different space, in a different place, and with a different identity. Right? Whoa. So it's kind of here I am. Oh, I guess my name is Johnny and I'm a bartender or whatever it might be. I'm just a kind of a starting over completely with this dissociation. Um, and it was associated with with a lot of folks in wartime, you know, the controversy being, were they really dissociating? And, you know, this was this a trauma response? Or was this just kind of a way to get out of the war? Mm -hmm. um, but there's some really compelling stories out there about folks who really, uh, really, truly, deeply believed, you know, I am this new identity, this new person in this new place. Isn't there a movie about that? Um... Moana? Oh, no, with the cinema, <laughs> it has a cinema with it. Oh gosh, Oh, uh -oh. I'm gonna have to Google it. Oh boy, that's your quiz, everybody. Send us your answers. Info mental health bootcamp. We're gonna find it right now. About a movie about dissociative fugue. Well, that's kind of cool. Maybe so. Um, but there are a lot of different 
Oh, and gosh, I guess we could just touch on this briefly here, because if we're going to talk about dissociative disorders, at least for a minute, we can't do this justice without at least touching on dissociative identity disorder. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's also controversial. Yeah. Also a little controversial. Dissociative identity disorder, formerly known as multiple personality disorder, is the, the idea, kind of based on what we're talking about, that through trauma, a person dissociates to a different place psychologically um, and and in each of these places form a, a new personality within their body and these different personalities kind of develop uh, from within them themselves um, and so there are then therefore these many different personalities that uh, exist within one person and they can shift minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, but uh, people can kind of go in and out of these different personalities. And they often have, you know, distinct backstories. They don't have to be the same age. They don't have to be the same gender as the, uh, as the biological person sitting there. Um, they can have different accents. They can walk differently. I mean, there's, there's some pretty extensive, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anecdotal research out there about folks who really truly seem to embody different people within their own skin um again controversy being that it's hard to know <laughs> there's no real objective evidence for this like there's no way to really truly measure uh although i think people have tried to do things like measuring vocal tones vocal intonations and like blood pressure and these sorts of things regardless i like to mm. say if this is something that someone's dealing with we know that there's some some trauma there. We know that there's some some issues going on there, at least with identity and trying to uh, to navigate life, mm -hmm. and uh, are all very very deserving of uh, high quality help. For sure. Do you guys have any anything to add about dissociative identity? Well, yeah. When I said controversial, I, I think you said, you conveyed it very well. But sometimes the case is made and. In, in, in legal situations or criminal cases it often comes up and so uh, where people are justifying certain actions by having these different personalities but you know i, I think in an earlier boot camp we talked about dick schwartz's work and uh oh yeah kind of the myth of the, the unified self that we all have different parts of ourselves and different parts of our personalities so i think in some kind of way there's you know we all have those different identities within that personality if that makes sense that's it. Yes. So the movie about that controversial part, Chris, is Primal Fear, featuring Edward Norton and Richard Gere. Yes. Where someone is convicted of a crime and the defense is his defense is saying it wasn't me who committed the crime, it was my alternate personality that did it. Yeah. Oh, it's a great film. It's a good one. Yeah. So the other film that I was thinking. I'm just going to circle back because I disconnected. It's not quite what we were talking about, but The Majestic with Jim Carrey. Okay. So he's oh. in an accident uh, and then he has amnesia, but he wakes up and then he believes himself to be someone else with a completely ah. different identity. And um, yeah. Hmm. Yes. I, not I, quite I... the same, but I... In my head, I was like, wait a minute. 
I've got to say, I've, I've always liked, I've always been very intrigued by dissociative disorders and, <clears throat> and issues like this, because I think it says so much about our identity and about our, you know, our sense of self, even when it gave you going back to the beginning of the discussion, daydreams, I think, say a whole lot about who we are, you know, mm -hmm. just as I believe that our dreams say a lot about who we are, but I think our daydreams say maybe even more about our, our conscious self and who we are. What are we fantasizing about during the day? What are we, what are we imagining? What are we thinking about? Um, and, and then certainly when it comes to dissociative stuff, you know, what, what are we, what can that tell us about our trauma? What could tell us about our, our particular pain and, um, and our thresholds for that pain? And, and, you know, do we, do we need to leave it? Are there ways that we can kind of build up some resilience to that and, and work through it? I just think it's, it's so intertwined with uh, with our identities and, and who we are. It's uh, it's pretty fascinating. Definitely, there's a lot there, a lot a lot to explore. There is a lot to explore, and we will explore that and many more in 2021. So that's our podcast for tonight, Joanna. Thank you for a wonderful topic. Yeah, thank. You did, did it, it. Well you really did, did it. it. Thanks, thanks for all the yeah, good good conversation. There's Absolutely. so much involved with it, so it's good to talk. Totally. Talk. Yes, very good stuff. Um, our first uh, viral episode of 2021. <laughs> our first, you know, partially French episode of 2021. I think I think we're making some big strides here, everybody. So, like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend. Tell a French friend. Tell a friend who speaks Latin about the podcast. We'll see you guys here. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Good morning.